0: man. What's up, church? How are we? Praise the Lord. You look great. Amen. hope you had a great uh, Christmas. Old Santa Claus did it again, didn't he? I told the 9 o'clock I got me a brand new shirt. I think he got it from TJ Maxx. I think he used my debit card to get it, but either way, we we got to Hope you had a good Christmas. Hope, uh, hope you have a new, new, good New Year's coming up uh, as well. I was thinking this week, uh, man, God has been so faithful in my life, and uh, I'm so thankful to be uh, able to serve here, and I'm so thankful for this church. Uh, uh, it was the first Sunday in 2019 I got to uh, teach God's Word, and I was thinking about it. it's the last Sunday uh, of 2019, and I get to teach God's Word. I love Jesus, and I love talking, so that works out good for me, and uh, that might not mean nothing to you, but it's a blessing for me. So, man, uh, from my heart to yours, thank you uh, for allowing me to serve here and to serve you in that way. Uh, Man, that's a blessing. Enough of that. If you got your copy of God's Word, Acts chapter 20, uh, as you turn there, uh, I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to get going, and and it's going to be awesome. So, uh, let me pray, and We'll go from there. Father, we love you. God, once again, we thank you for the reality of Christmas. God, that you sent a Savior to die in our place. And and God, we're so thankful for that gift. That's a gift that changes people's lives still to this day. And God, I pray that as Christians, we would steward that gift well that you've given us. And, And God, that we would open up your word this morning. I pray that you challenge us and challenge us as parents and And as moms and dads and as husbands and wives, God, challenge us as Christians. Lord, we are your people. And God, help us, God, to be leaders in this community that you've called us to. Uh, God, we love you so much. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Uh, Amen. Uh, About a month ago, I decided uh, as the leader of my household, uh, we was going to start doing family worship. Now, I've, I've done family worship, don't, don't get me wrong, I've done that before, uh, but I hadn't been as consistent as i like to be, so uh, I'm the leader of my house, and I said, well, we're going to start doing family worship together, and I had in my mind what I thought that was going to look like, and we were going to have a Christ-centered uh, supper, maybe a little communion after, and then a little worship, and then maybe I was going to come out the back room and preach a killer sermon both my kids were going to give their life to Jesus and was going to baptize them in the bathtub and go share with the neighbors the good news is that how it went you ask not at all (laughs) walk in and we're about to do family worship we're going to talk about Jesus my little girl I don't want to talk about Jesus Alright, nobody asked you, right? Get on the couch, we're talking about Jesus, right? And Why? Because as the leader of my home, I know this, where the leadership goes, the house goes. And we're all leaders in here this morning. Listen to me, if you're a mom, you're a leader. If you're a dad, you're a leader. If you have a spouse, you're a leader. To be a Christian is to be a leader. And we're all leading, that is no question. You might, not be, you might not be leading in a good way, but we are leading. We're leading in a way. And we find ourselves in a piece of scripture this morning. Paul, has, he's wrapping up his missionary journey. He's headed back to Jerusalem, but he slides in for a visit uh, for the Ephesian church. Uh, and he, he, he goes south a little bit, and he sends for the elders of the church, the leadership of the church. Because, listen to me, where the leadership goes, the church goes. And the pulpit drives the church. The leaders drive the church. The connect group leaders drive the church. The connectors drive the church. And we're all in here. We're all called to be leaders because to be a Christian is to be a leader. And he stops and he's talking to some leaders. So Acts chapter 20, verse 17. And God's Word says this, uh, From Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. And when they arrived, he said to them, You know how I've lived the whole time I was with you? From the first day I came into the province of Asia, I served the Lord. should highlight that. I served the Lord. How did you serve the Lord, Paul? With great humility and with tears. And in the midst of severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents. You know I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you. But I've taught you publicly. I've taught you privately. I've taught you house to house. And I've taught everybody. Uh, I've declared to both the Jews and the Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. And now, compelled by the Spirit, you should highlight that, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. Now watch verse 23, I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prisons and, prison and hardships are facing me. Now, that will kick the prosperity gospel where it hurts, right? That'll, that'll uh, change the American gospel a little bit. We're over here like, 2020 is going to be great. God's going to bless your life. It's going to be awesome. Share this picture on Facebook, and God's going to send you millions, right? Paul's like, yep, talking to Jesus. About to go to prison and suffer, right? Like, that's kind of his life. But watch 24. However, it does not matter to me because I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. I want to stop real fast. I want to point out to you five marks of Christian leadership we see in Paul's life. Five marks of Christian leadership we see when we look in Paul's life, when we look at Paul, here's five marks we see in Paul's life, in God's Word, in just that little bit I just read. Mark number one is this. He lived life by the Spirit. He lived his life by the Spirit, verse 22, and now compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem not knowing what will happen to me. There Paul's life was marked... By God's Spirit, by the Holy Spirit of God. Behind Paul's decisions was the Holy Spirit compelling him. We shall not dumb down this great deposit that we have as a Christian. Because the same Spirit that Paul had is the same Spirit that we have. The same Spirit that rose Jesus from the grave. When you put your faith in Christ, He sealed you with that Spirit. And you have a Spirit, and that is the power of the Christian life. It's the power of the Christian life. You see, listen to me. You can't live life for Jesus if you don't do life with Jesus. Uh, There is something uh, powerful in your life of the Holy Spirit. You can't live the Christian life apart from it. That's why people try the Jesus thing and it didn't work. They didn't try the Jesus thing. They tried the religion thing. They don't even have the Holy Spirit in their life. But when you have the Holy Spirit in your life, He'll speak to you. He'll guide you. He'll direct you. And he'll do these things. Ezekiel 36, 26 rang true in Paul's life. He it says, I'll give you a new heart and a new spirit, and I'm going to move you to do my decrees. What did it look like for Paul to live life by the Spirit? Service to God. And he says this, I served humbly. I served tearfully. I served publicly. I served Privately, I served joyfully, I served consistently, there was no week off for me. How do you do that? You can't live that life apart from the Spirit of God. Because that's not a selfish life, that's a selfless life. That sounds a lot like the life that Jesus lived, I came not to be served but to serve. And that was what was in his life. Watch this, watch this, there's something bigger In Paul's life. And if you're a Christian and you're saved. That same spirit lives in your life. And listen, Paul was faithful to do what the spirit told him to do. The summary of his life was listening to God and doing what he said. Some of the godliest people I know is some of the most spirit-led people I know. But we live in this flesh. See, when you get saved, you get some things new. You get a new heart. You get a new home, you get some new habits, but you still got this same old head, this thing right here. And every thought you've ever thought, everything you've ever done, everything is still in there. You still have this this flesh that you live in. And you got to learn to crucify the flesh and listen to the Spirit. That's why God says, uh, renew your minds. Set your minds on the thing above. Every single day I have to make a decision, today I'm following Jesus. I'm going to crucify the flesh and what I want to do, I'm going to walk where Jesus wants me to walk. Anybody ever seen Tom and Jerry? Oh, Tom and Jerry. That's my seminary degree right there, Cartoon Network. And boy, they didn't get a lot of things right, biblically, I can tell you that, but... But one thing was pretty close, they got the, the old angel on one side, right? The old devil on one side, and they're telling, the angel's "Tell him, do this. And the little demon, a little pitchforks telling him, no, don't do that. That's kind of how it works. See, we don't have a problem hearing God. We got a problem listening to God. We don't have a problem. We can hear God more today Uh, than than anybody's ever heard before because we got God's word. We don't have a hearing problem. We got a listening problem. Uh, There's a a friend of mine. uh, I love this guy to death. Love him dearly. And he's had a a rough past, had um, an addiction problem. And he did some jail time. He got out. He'd been following God. Everything's been going good in his life. But he started going through some things. And about two weeks ago, I walk in a convenience store. And when I walk into the store, he's standing in line. And he's got a six-pack of Bud Light on him. And, and, and here's what I know. For him, that ain't good. For him, that ain't good. He's got this addiction, this, this past, this problem. And I, I say, hey, man, how's things going? Man, I, I mean, everything good? I've been, yeah, man, just been working. Everything's good. And he walks out. And he did not leave. He, he, would, he sat there and just sat there and sat there in his truck and kept staring in the store and sat in his truck. I finally walked out and I walked in my car and he said, hey, man, you still preaching? I said, yeah, Lord will. And as long as Billy keeps letting me, as long as y'all keep listening. See, I'm, I'm still preaching. He said, man, I'm struggling. I said, man, I can tell. Let's talk. We had a good conversation. And here's what he said. He said, God told me not to go in there. He said, I didn't think I was going to see anybody. And lo and behold, the preacher walked in. He said, God told me not to go in there. Texted me later. He said, Man, I need you to pray for me. And I have. And I will. But he don't need prayer. He needs to listen to God and do what he says because he said, God told me not to go in there. See, we don't have a hearing problem. We've got a, a listening problem. Now, even myself, I won't throw him under the bus without throwing myself under one. I, uh, a couple years ago, I was working for Orkin and I was in this lady's house. She's an older black woman. Uh, she, her name was Miss Johnson. She was a Christian lady. Man, she was, I called her granny. Loved her, boy. She would fix breakfast and stuff that's beside the point I was in there and and her husband died, and she was going through a hard time. And God told me, he said, go pray for her. And I tried to fight that thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want to go pray. I'm too busy. I got another stuff I got to go make. And God said, you ain't too busy for me. how well, so you ever ask that? God, That you? That's you talking? Well, it ain't the devil. You know what I'm saying? And it ain't, it ain't the flesh. So, I mean, it goes with God's word. In God's will, and I'm a Christian. He said, "You're a son. You're a Christian. Go pray for her." And I go in there and I pray for her. She grabs my hands. He prays for me, prays for my family, and blesses, blesses me, man, blesses me. But I'm ready to get out of this flesh. Why do I have to fight this thing? Why don't I just be obedient? I don't got a hearing problem. I've got a listening problem. Listen to me. What does it look like to live life by the Spirit? One, I want you to write this down: hearing from God. Hearing from God. We got God's word. Anytime you want to hear from God, you just open the Bible. You want to hear God just speak to you out loud, just read the Bible out loud. And God will speak. And God lives in people. And God will speak. But we have to hear God. There's Some of us come in here, and boy, God tells us stuff that is wrong in our life, or he points us to where we want to go. And we walk out of here just walking in our sin, just beat down. There's a guy I met. He said, man, you you go to Connection Church? I said, yeah. He said, man, I I come there. I love y'all's church. He said, but every time I leave, I feel like crap. And I'm thinking, (laughs) buddy, (laughs) You know, maybe God's trying to show you something. You know what? I mean? you ever thought about that? You know, but we do. We walk out here, so so listen. You got to hear God, but write this down. We got to do what He says. We got to check it in the Word of God. Is this God's will? My kids, they hear me tell them not to jump on the couch. Sometimes they don't listen to when I tell them to jump on the couch, and sometimes they pay consequences. What is God telling you to do? What's he been telling you to do? Get real with God. What's he been telling you to do? Where has God been telling you to go? Are you going to hear from him and do what he says? Mark 1, Paul lived by the Spirit. Mark number 2 is this. uh, Not only did he live by the Spirit, listen, he found contentment in following Jesus. He found contentment in being wherever Jesus wanted him to be. And that's where he found satisfaction. That's where he found contentment. It says, now compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem. Now watch this, watch this. Not knowing what's going to happen to me there. I don't know what's going to happen. I know God wants me to go, and my contentment is being obedient, and I'm going to obey God, and I don't know what's going to happen. And that's what it looks like to follow Jesus. Sometimes it ain't comfortable, but listen, Paul valued following Jesus above his comfort. So I'm a game plan guy. Any game plan people, I'll go anywhere you want to go. We'll do whatever you want to do. But here's the deal. You're going to tell me where we're going and what time we're going and what we're doing when we get there. I ain't a go-with-the-flow type of person. Go-with-the-flow people are the most frustrating people on the planet. <laughs> My wife is a go-with-the-flow person. It's like, hey, baby, let's, let's go out. going? Let's just see what life throws at us. No. I don't want nothing thrown at me. I want to know the plan. Where are we going? But here's what I tell you. Watch this. Watch this. When you follow Jesus, you ain't the one drawing up the plans. You ain't the one drawing up the plans. Abraham followed God to an unknown land. But God said this, the Lord had said to Abraham, go from your country, your people, your father to a land. I'm going to show you. That's crazy. In other words, I know where we're going, but you don't. But you're going to have to step out and trust me, and that I know what's best for your life, son. That I know what's best for you, that I'm not going to hurt you. And when you step out, even though you don't know what, what the outcome's going to be, in that moment you're saying, God, I trust you. God, I trust you. Listen, the unknown can be uncomfortable. That gospel conversation God wants you to have with your family member, that's unknown. You don't know how that's going to end up. They're going to get mad. I mean, what's going to happen? It's unknown. But here's what is known. If they die and go to eternity without Jesus, they go to eternity without Jesus. Or it might be the stand you take for what's right in the midst of everyone else glorifying in what's wrong, like when you're at the golf course and, and the guys are just beating down their wives and running their mouth. Maybe, maybe you should say, hey, hey man, you ought to love your wife a little better than that. Maybe you take a stand for what's right. But that's uncomfortable because you don't know where that conversation's about to head. Or maybe it's waiting on God's plan and God's will for your life instead of taking it into your own hands. Now I see ladies all the time, they want to settle for little boys who don't know Jesus instead of waiting on a man who does. And they end up having a, a boy who don't know how to lead them and don't know how to love them because he don't know how to be loved because he ain't never seen God's love. And, and, and we just take things into our own hands. I know what's best for my life, but we don't. Or maybe it's taking the next step and leading your family spiritually. That can be unknown. Maybe you've never had family worship night. Maybe husband and wives, you've never prayed together before. You've got to start somewhere. I remember the, I mean, I, I will pray in front of thousands. It don't bother me. But boy, I remember the first time I prayed with my wife. Hands were all sweaty. I was just shaking like, what's wrong with you? You've got to get yourself together, right? And it, but it's. I know God wants me to do it. And sometimes it's scary or, or things God's calling you to do. What's God calling you to do? Are you going to listen? Sometimes it's unknown, but sometimes we, we got a step. Or maybe it's planting a church or maybe going to help a, a, a church plant. I was talking to Dustin who's, who's planting in Athens and he said, He said, man, it's getting close. He said, you dang right it is. He said, I don't know what's going to happen. But here's what I know. He ain't living life for himself. He's living life for Jesus. And he says, you know what? I'm going to step out and I'm going to trust God. Listen to me. Where's God telling you to go? What's God telling you to do? Paul was satisfied to be wherever it was God wanted him to be. Our satisfaction comes from being with a person named Jesus. Paul figured out the secret sauce. And the secret sauce was, listen, trusting and obeying and being with Jesus. And that brings contentment in our life. Philippians 4 says, I've learned the secret of being content. Whether I'm I'm well fed or hungry, whether with plenty or with want, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. My strength comes from him. I just want to be with him and do what he says. And Paul was willing to go wherever wherever God wanted him to go because watch this, watch this. This ain't the first time Paul done stepped. This ain't the first time Paul went when God told him to go. And when you step out and you don't know what's going to happen and then God shows up and he's faithful, you get to where you want to start stepping again. You get to where you want to start seeing God move again. Uh, I remember, um, see, see there's this misconception I hear all the time. People say, uh, uh, God won't give you more than you can handle. That's a lie. I don't know who they're following. God gives me more I handle all the time. But he won't give me more than he can handle. But I'm going to have to trust him. And and I remember remember, uh, when I was growing up, I remember I was doing swimming lessons. My dad was paying for swimming lessons. I was doing swimming lessons like three months, but I ain't learned to swim a lick. Dad was paying for her swimming lessons. Daddy got tired of paying for that jump, right? He got tired of it. I remember he showed up at the lady's house, and she had me out there in the pool. Bless her heart, boy. I was a tough nut to crack, so I wasn't letting go of her. And Daddy got tired of it. He got tired of paying. He grabbed me right there in the house, brought me right to the deep end, and pushed me in. But I learned to swim real quick. I learned to swim real quick, and I remember making it to the shallow end, and I looked up. Here's what I remember: my dad was right there. See, he might have, he, he might have pushed me in, but he ain't let me go under. And he was right there. Now, if my earthly father knows how to take care of me, will God not take care of me? And my heavenly father will not take care of me. Listen, it wasn't long I was on the high dive. You know what I'm saying? Stepping in the deep end, right to the high dive. It wasn't much in between. Because when I understood that daddy's got this, I wondered, I'm, I'm getting a little bolder. I'm getting a little braver. My faith's getting a little bigger, a little stronger. And that's what Paul had in his life. He knew God was going to show up. Were things going to be great, No. But God was going to be with him, and that's where he found his contentment. All of God's giants have been weak men who did great things for God because they reckoned on God being with them. You have to learn to trust God and stop being paralyzed by what ifs. You can't put words in God's mouth. you got to step out. And before you can get on the hive, you gotta learn to step out in the shallow end, but you gotta start stepping. Turn to your neighbor and say, It's time to start stepping. Gotta be willing to step. We can't settle for this. Listen, this false contentment that does not last. We try to find contentment in things that do not last and do not satisfy our life. And the only thing is gonna be doing God's will. And enjoying Him forever, C.S. Lewis says, It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. We are like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant By the offer of a holiday at the sea, we are far too easily pleased. We try to get pleased with with comfort. And we try to get get pleased. uh, We desire control. We want control of our life. And and we live out of comparison to others. That's the number one contentment killer in the world. Because you're, you're not living your life. You're comparing your life to everybody else. You're letting everybody else live your life. Instead of focus on an audience of one and what will God have me do, what does he want for my life, and what am I going to do, now we're living for everybody else's approval. And we live for these things or, or we desire current pleasure, the here and now. Just give me what I want. We'd rather settle for fast food when God offers us fine wine. So listen, how would your life change right now if you found your contentment in following God? Would it be freeing for you? There's the old hymn, Trust and Obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Where is God telling you to go? What is God telling you to do? Where does the gospel need you at? Will you trust and obey? Mark number three. Mark number three. He stuck to the path through times of trouble. Paul stuck to the path through times of trouble. He says this, I only know that in every City, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. Paul's life was marked with perseverance. When the road went down a turn that didn't look attractive, he didn't eject and get off the race. But he persevered through it all. Paul stayed cool on course when things weren't attractive. This separates the boys from the men. This separates the sheep from the goats. This separates Followers from leaders It's perseverance. This is a mature Christian. See, listen, Paul had to be the most frustrating person in the world. You couldn't shake this dude. Like You couldn't, you couldn't threaten him with anything. You keep preaching Jesus, we're going to put you in prison. All right, well, prison ministry is for me. I'm going to convert your guards. All right? You keep it up, we're gonna kill you. us cross the die's game. You can kill the body, but you can't kill the soul, right? You, you can't. That's his attitude. You can't stop him. This is so frustrating. He had to be frustrating. But listen, he knew. He knew God had this. Man, one mark of Christian leadership is perseverance. There's a, a deacon I know. A friend uh, uh, I know. He he was a leader in the church, and man, God was using his life. He was following God. He's a Godly guy, and and his son got in a wreck and got paralyzed from the hips down. When that happened, all eyes were on him. All eyes were on him. And I remember thinking, what's he going to do? Is he going to curse God? Is he going to run? Is he going to pull back? How's he going to handle this as a Christian, this suffering? How's he going to handle this? He kept right on rocking. And he knew God had a plan for his kid, even if it was in a wheelchair. God knew what was best, and he kept right on rocking. And I'm telling you this, to me, to me, the message he preached with his life was louder in the suffering than it was in the prosperity. And it changed my life when I saw that. It changed my life. Listen, this passage kicks the prosperity gospel right between the legs. Just hammers it. Listen, suffering has always been promised us along the way. Always. Jesus Jesus never promised this race would be easy. He promised it wouldn't. Jesus said some crazy stuff. I mean, he, just, he was just straight gangster. You know what I'm saying? I, I read the Bible sometimes. I'm like, I'm like, man, I can't believe Jesus just said that, right? Like, he said some things. One guy one guy called Jesus said, I'll follow you wherever you go. Just like, yeah, no, you're not. No, you're not, because there's no Holiday Inn on this road. Uh, foxes have holes, birds have nests. Uh, Son of man, don't even have nowhere to lay his head, so it's not going to be too easy. He never promised it would be easy. He, he promised uh, the opposite. He says this. He never promised it would be pros- prosperous. He, he says this. A student is not above his teacher. A servant is not above his master. The world's going to hate you, but you remember this. It hated me first. If if prosperity is a mark for people that that God loves, then God hated the Apostle Paul. He just downright hated him because his life was not prosperity at all. This is why people walk away from the faith, because they've been sold a bill of goods that ain't true. So they don't follow Jesus for Jesus. They follow Jesus for what he can give them. And then when everything goes south, they walk away. People followed Jesus by the thousands. People left. By the thousands. Jesus looks at Peter said, you going to go too? Peter said, where am I going to go? You're it. You're the prize. You're the king. You got the words of eternal life. There is no other way to go. The good news of the gospel of Jesus is not that if you follow Jesus, everything goes well for you. It is that no matter what comes, he'll be enough. He is enough. He is the treasure. There's a lady, I want to share a story with you, changed my life forever. I'm serious. It ain't the first time I preached it. It won't be the last. You'll hear it again, I assure you. There's a a secretary at a church. She was a godly woman, loved the Lord. She got breast cancer. And, and, And a lady came up to her and said, why would God allow you to have breast cancer? And she looked at her, she said, what's different about me? than anybody else. I live in this same sinful, broken cosmos world. The the universe is broken with sin. Our genetics are broken with sin. What's different about me? And then she looked back at her and she said, well, where was God at when you got cancer? Where was God at then? And, And she said this. She said, I'll tell you where God was at. God's in the same place when I got cancer as he was at when his son was hanging on a cross changed my life. I've never looked at suffering the same. I'll never look at death the same. I'll never look at anything the same or persecution the same. Because let me tell you something, there ain't nothing I'll ever go through that He ain't went through for me and overcome. He was beat on a cross. He did it for me. He did it for you. Praise God. Amen. Are you willing to follow Jesus no matter where He leads you? No matter where He wants you to go, are you willing? Will you worship Him in the valleys of life? Or only when things go your way. Mark number four. I got five, here's four. He treasured Christ above all. He treasured Christ above all. He said, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. Watch this. The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Paul's life was marked By God is his treasure, and he was marked by his glory. He was constantly pointing people to Jesus. We see Paul's outlook in life was this. It's better to lose your life than it is to waste your life. Paul said, I don't want to waste my life. I'd rather lose my life than waste my life. What a tragedy. What a tragedy it is. To just waste your life. You want to know what a tragedy is? It ain't that secretary getting cancer and going home. You want me to tell you what a tragedy is? A tragedy is building an American empire and then dying and leaving. it. And it's going to burn to the ground one day. That is a tragedy. That is wasting your life. And Jim Elliott said it like this. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Philippians one for me, to live is to Christ and to die is gain. Paul said to live is to live for Jesus. He's the one thing that won't get taken away from me. He's the one thing eternal. He's the one thing that's going to last. To live is to find life. And the one who laid his life down for me and for you is to live is to Christ. And he says to die is gain because absent from the body is present with our Lord. And he lived his life that way. That was his outlook. And because his outlook was what it was, his aim and his race he was running was what it was. Paul's aim in life was to finish the race God called him to on God's mission. You can't love Jesus and not love the mission. Because when you find freedom, you want everybody else to find it too. That's why Harriet Tubman's my girl. Straight Underground underground Railroad, baby. She... She found freedom, listen to me, and went back. That's crazy. You have finally made it. You are free. She goes back to get more. Why? Because freedom tastes that good. And I want other people to taste it too. Paul said, oh, it ain't about me. It's about God, it's about His grace, it's about His glory, and I want people to know about it. And that was the race he lived. He constantly pointed people to Jesus and His glory. Every letter we read in the Bible is just amazing. He he writes the Ephesians, he says, we've been adopted into the family of God the praise of His glory. He writes to Philippians, he says, watch out for these dogs. We are the circumcised, circumcised by the Spirit in our heart. To the praise of his glory. He even wrote the Corinthians. He said, y'all are all crazy. Get your act together. By the way, to the praise of his glory, right? He's just always pointing to Jesus. Always. The ultimate meaning of life. It's to enjoy God's grace and to extend God's glory. You can't have one without the other. To enjoy God's grace and to extend his glory. We other people deserve to be worshiping God. Everything else in this world is still in God's glory. And he deserves it. And Paul wanted to point people to that glory. A wasted life has lived for itself. When people look at your life, do they see that Christ is supreme? When they look at your life, do they see that Jesus is number one in your life? Paul could say what Paul said because Paul lived the way Paul lived. So when he spoke, people listened because his lips matched his life. His lips matched his life. How would your life look different if your only aim was to finish the race God has given you? What would change? Would anything change? Would would the way you spend time with your family change? The reason you put your pants on in the morning, would it, the whole purpose of your living, would it change? Would it change the way you walk through the work door or through the school door or play on the football field? Or whatever it is you do, would it change? Would, would your weekends change or would they just look the same as they do now? The reason our lives don't look like Paul's is because we ain't running the race Paul was running. Whoa, boy, I, I like it when God just shoots it to me straight sometimes. I was sitting there reading the Bible, and that's what he told me. You're either on the race or you're not. You're either running my race or you're not running my race. He so I don't need my ego fluff. I need God just to give it to me sometime. And boy, he just gave it to me. And that's what I need. I, I need my ego slayed, and I want my heart to beat for the things that God's heart beats for. Mark number five. He shaped culture. Culture did not shape him. He said, now compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I'm going to Jerusalem. Why? Haven't you done enough? You know what I mean? He, he, he's lived his life for God. Now he's, he, he ain't done. I'm going back. I'm still. I'm not done with what God's called me to. Listen, his, his life was marked by heaven as his home. He didn't fall for this American dream. He went to Jerusalem. He lived with the end in mind, not just for the here and now. He wanted to finish well. He said, I'm going to Jerusalem. I have unfinished business there. See, here's what culture would tell Paul. Culture says, Paul, you're getting old. Time to settle down. Enjoy the last few years for yourself. Take a break. And just enjoy, just listen, you've deserved a little you time. But Christ says, your life's not your own, Paul. Your life is mine now. And when I'm done with you, I'll call you home until that day. You keep doing what I've called you to do, and that's to be a witness. Culture says, Paul, you've had a fruitful life. You've done more than anybody else has done. Take a vacation. Give Timothy a chance, for crying out loud. Let somebody else do it. Just go to the church of Philippi and visit Lydia and the jailer and your friends. Take some time off. Christ says, run the race I've placed you on. This is your race and for you not to run it's to be disobedient. What culture would say is, is, listen Paul, you're over the top brother. You're a little too radical. You keep Jesus in the box, you bring him out on the days you're supposed to, right? Sundays, stuff like that, and you put him back up. You're living your life a little too radical. But what Christ says, I've laid my life down for the sheep, I've poured my blood out. Listen, and anyone who puts his hand to the plow and looks back isn't fit for the kingdom of God. That's pretty radical. And if God was radical for me, I want to live radical for him. Listen, he lived on earth like his home is in heaven. He was just a straight alien, man. I mean, he... He, he, it's like, are you even from here, brother? The way you live your life? But the, but the Bible says we're all aliens, that our, our home is in heaven, that, that we're just passing through. But that's not what cultural Christianity teaches us. Cultural Christianity teaches to build your life in America instead of heaven, and you just participate in religious activity, and that's it. Just go to church, buy that Easter dress, Stop by the photo booth. Hashtag I love Jesus. Hashtag He has risen. Hashtag I Ain't Saved. And I'm telling you, I'm not mad. I I I just got a burden because that's the world, that's where that's what that's what cultural Christianity tells us. But when I look in the Bible, I don't see that at all. The only Christianity I see is radical Christianity. What race is it that you're running? Is it the rat race or is it God's race? Are you living for America or are you living on mission? Paul lived for these words. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Is that the words you're living for? Is that the words you're going to hear? When it's all gone and you step in front of God, is that the words you're going to hear? Well done. It is my, my good and faithful servant. He lived for an audience of one. Here's some last words from Paul. Last words are important. When people are on their deathbed... They don't just start rolling out stuff. They get to the heart. And Paul's about to step on a ship, and he's about to leave these elders, these leaders, and he's told them this. He said, you remember how I lived. I served humbly, tearfully, privately, publicly. I was marked by God's Spirit. I'm compelled by His Spirit. I found my satisfaction in Christ. I stuck to the race when things got hard. I ain't settling for the American dream. You you know what I did. He said, now listen, here's some last words I want to tell you. As I leave, and, and here's what he said. He says one, I ain't gonna read scripture for the second time. But here's what he said. He said one, I want you to watch your life. Watch your life. Why watch your life? Because everybody else is. And when people look at your life, do they see Jesus? He says you need to watch your life. He he says this. Secondly, watch God's flock who I died for and I poured my blood out, watch the bride of Christ while I'm gone. And we got to be careful how we treat one another if we're the church. You, you get mad at me if you want to. I hope not. I love all of you. But listen, I mean, you, you get mad at me fine, but if you lay your hand on my wife. We're going to have a problem. Now, if you think I care for my bride, don't you think God cares for his bride? Yes, sir. He says, watch the flock. You can't watch the flock if you're not here. He says, man, man, care for one another. Go to connect group. Don't forsake the assembly of God. He Watch after the flock. And then he says this, wolves are coming. They're coming and they're here. Guard the truth. He said, I've cried for three years giving you the truth. I've done all. I'm about to walk away. Guard the truth. I don't care what kind of movement it is, prosperity, the Bethel movement, whatever movement it is. If it ain't from God, it's a lie. He says, wolves are coming. Watch your life. Watch the flock. Wolves are coming. And then he stepped on that boat. And they all wept. And they all cried. You want to know why they cried? because of the impact he made spiritually. Two questions I got for you. One, is the marks in Paul's life marks in your life? Are you marked by the Spirit of God? Are you marked by obedience? Is your life marked by perseverance? Is God supreme in your life? Is your your life marked by a heavenly home? Is the marks in Paul's life marks in your life? Because to be a Christian is to be a leader and to be a Christian is to have these marks. And my second question is, when you leave, is this the legacy you're going to leave behind? Are people going to miss you spiritually? When you die, are people going to miss you spiritually? Are they going to cry? Are you going to make an impact? What are we going to leave behind? Are we going to leave behind a mortgage payment and a car note? Or or is our leadership that we're doing today going to impact the generation of tomorrow? A man and a woman will preach their own funeral. What's the message going to be? What's the message going to be? Amen. I want to pray for us. Father, we love you. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for your grace. God, I pray that, God, you would challenge us, God, as we go into a new year. God, to be leaders. God, challenge us as as husbands and wives and and moms and dads and, and as Christians. God, challenge us to be leaders in our church, leaders in our home. God, leaders in this community. God, help us not to get caught up in an American dream and then just die and leave it. God, help us to make an impact, God, and be faithful and steward your grace where you've called us to. So God, I pray that you would speak. God, that we would hear you, but God, we would learn to listen. God, to hear your word and do what it says. God, we love you so much. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Hey, guys, love you guys so much. See y'all back next week. Happy New Year's.